0: Are the
1: Rays rebuilding? They didn't know what to call it when they reported a training camp in Port Charlotte on Tuesday. We got highlights from the press conference with manager Kevin Cash and GM Eric Neander. And the Rays also have a new philosophy with their pitchers. I'll have my interview with Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder. Tampa Bay Lightning lose their second in a row and the back-to-back, this time to the Buffalo Sabres five to 5-3. And Sean White wins the gold in the half pipe his third
2: gold Uh-oh, medal. Uh, Rick, he, wins. Rick, Rick, he yeah, won yeah. silver. Excuse me? I read online he won silver. <laughs> no. I went to, I went to NPR.org, and it says Sean White wins the silver. They were looking for gold, but he won silver.
1: <laughs> no, he won. I watched it on TV.
2: He won the gold. The story was up it. for an hour. Who who filed that story? Uh, Bill Chappell of NPR. <laughs> B- Bill, how did that
1: go exactly? They got a call from some guy back in New York somewhere and said, uh, Bill, where are you at, bud? Uh, co- Coffee house, Bill? Listen, you said silver. I'm watching on TV, and Sean White just won his third gold medal. Man, you got to change change all the silver to gold in the story. That's terrible. Did he really screw that up? An hour.
2: It actually oh, took my an hour. It took sixty three minutes for them to correct the
1: story. Wow. Yeah, that's a bad day. That's a bad. That might be his last Olympics, well, and I don't mean Sean. Although, it's definitely
2: Sean White's last Olympics. Uh, it, the, he. He didn't say he won silver after he won gold. He just awarded him the silver after two runs when there's three. That <laughs> there's was the three. problem. He awarded it too soon.
1: That's right. So all of a sudden, now Burl Ives is singing silver and gold. Actually, yeah, you're right. He was behind and um, came with a just an unbelievable, very emotional Sean White. We'll talk about that and much more on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with my producer, Steve Versnick, who you just heard from. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, but before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a, a special offer from audible.com. Sign up now, get a free 30 day trial membership. That's a $15 value. As a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audible, audibletrial.com, that's spelled A U D I B L E, trial.com slash sportsday to take advantage of the deal. Audible is owned by Amazon, it's the leading provider of digital audiobooks. You know what that means to you? Well, they've got more than 180,000 titles to choose from, and unlike streaming, you own your own books. So once they've been downloaded, you can even listen to them online. That's audibletrial.com/sportsday for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. You know, let me just say this first of all about Sean White. I mean, think about this guy who is in his third, I guess his final Olympics. He's 31 years old. He didn't need to do this. The man is a walking, you know, uh, money press, if you will, with all the with all the branding that he has. He, he does movies. And uh, he actually busted his face up not long ago in one of the competitions before the Olympics. Decides to come back. And it, it was incredible drama. I mean, this is the thing about, you know, we watched this. You know if you if you watch the X games, maybe maybe you look at a little bit of snowboarding or whatever. But there's something about the Olympics where you realize that these guys they got one shot at it, or in this case, they do three runs. And you know, he was trailing. I mean he had a great first run and he was in first place. Um, and then all of a sudden he was behind and and uh, I think trailing uh, one of the one of the competitors from Japan, if I'm not mistaken. And then, then he just, he pulls out this, this clutch performance with like a 97 something and ends up winning the gold and the emotion from Sean white. I, I just think it's, it's, to me, it's just the, the pressure that you, you know, you have to be perfect. You got, you know, three shots at it or, or, you know, this is just the, this is the Olympics. This is your final run. It, it almost has to be a, a, a perfect score and he pulls it off and that, that, to me, is what's so cool about the Olympics. It's not that this is something you'll watch year-round, but just just understanding what this means to a guy like Sean White in his in his final Olympics. It was, it was drama. It was pretty cool.
2: I, I equate him kind of to Michael Phelps. I mean, that mm-hmm. over a long period of time keeps doing it over and over, and no matter the pressure, no matter the circumstances. Uh, Lindsey yeah. Vaughn's another one in this Olympics who yes. dominated downhill skiing for women uh, for years now, and, and she does it over and over again. Um, it, it's incredible what they do and, and it just, just the longevity of it. And like I said, it's, you know, it doesn't matter which new competitors are coming up, the new hot star they went. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll, I'll also say that it, you know, I, I do some skiing and it's about every two years. I'm really bad at it and, I, but I'm on the snow on a couple of blades that, you know, you're going down a hill and if you thought about it, you'd say this is a really stupid thing to do, but then you watch these guys on these snowboards and and the amount of air and just how high they go and and they're falling in at any moment like you know you're coming down on a block of ice on this on this piece of, of fiberglass or whatever it's made out of I don't even know and the, the just the amount of courage it must take to be literally flying through the air and doing all these tricks and spins and twists and all these things they do it's it, I mean I. I look at athletes, and I played. I'd play team sports, and we, we we follow team sports. We follow the athleticism of football players and basketball players. I'm telling you, I've not seen more courage from anybody uh, than than those that do exactly what Sean White does. It's incredible that you would put yourself in that really death-defying position that many times.
2: Any of it's these just... winter sports. I mean, whether it's the you know the right. uh, the downhill skiing or let's say oh, ski jump God. or the luge. I mean, losing is insane. crazy, right?
1: I I just don't I I mean, to appreciate it, you have to be on ice and understand just that is not the surface that you want to land on. First and foremost, you don't even want to walk on it, let alone uh, be be on a uh, on a thin piece of board or something. But remarkable. So we'll we'll talk about uh, certain certainly that was that was sort of the lead um, of of the Olympics was Sean White winning his third gold medal. Um, So that was pretty cool. So the the big news was that the Rays reported to spring training, and they will begin, you know, officially workouts tomorrow. A lot lot of guys down there in Port Charlotte, understandably so, throwing bullpens, taking ground balls, all of that. But today was the day that you hear from sort of the front office brass. And, you know, look, there's a lot of questions about this Rays uh, team because things are not settled in fact, they're very unsettled in baseball in general, but certainly with the Tampa Bay Rays, nobody expected necessarily to have guys like Jake Odorizzi or Alex Colomé uh, or Corey Dickerson or maybe even Chris Archer, you know, still be with this team when they reported to training camp or spring training as they have. And 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 I'm not even sure. In fact, it's, it's pretty obvious that 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 the Rays aren't sure what's going to happen by the time they get to April. But today was the day that uh, reporters got to sit down with Kevin Cash, with uh, uh, general manager Eric Neander and, and, and sort of discuss uh, what they're expecting. And it has been uh, a very strange sort of off season, if you will, and, and a weird start of spring training. And so uh, Neander was asked, what, what would be a success? What would be a successful season?
3: The the successes we have this year uh, are going to depend on two things: that the health of our our veteran players and guys that have established themselves at the major league level, uh, and then second, I think just the the younger talent that we have, just how that breaks in, how that breaks through, and uh, and what they can provide. Um, it's it's not easy to. Uh, come to the major league level for the first time and have immediate success. And I think for us to, to compete, you know, we're going to need some guys to step up and and provide that. And certainly the talent, I think, is is there for uh, for that to happen.
1: The talent is there, uh, Steve. But what I'm wondering about is is will it be there at the start of the season? I mean, in other words, how many of these young guys, whether we're talking about Willie Adames or Jake Bauer or you know s- some of the some of the young players you expect to see, certainly there'll be maybe some pitchers that. Um, that arrive and make, make the opening day roster. But as is the Rays' practice, you know, with some of these younger guys, you almost expect them to start the season in A and then maybe be handled the way Longoria was or other, Chris, other players that, you know, you get an extra year towards arbitration, all that stuff. I don't know how many of these young guys he's talking about are actually going to be there on opening day.
2: I don't think there'll be a lot of them on opening day, but you also have no clue what the roster is going to look like because – as you mentioned, several of these players you thought were already going to be gone, and maybe you didn't know which ones, but you know they want to mm-hmm. pair payroll down further. That's no right. secret that they want to it's do that. It's
1: $75 million they want to get down.
2: Yeah. Right. So there, some people are going to have to go somehow, some way. Now, you can't just cut them. You have to pay them. So you've got to find somebody that can trade, but there's you know a million free agents out there practicing at IMG Academy that haven't signed yet. So uh, until they do... It's kind of hard for many trades to happen unless there's a guy, there's somebody on your team that someone really wants that specific player.
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard, and they're going to try to dump some salary as well, and and we don't know if that's like we said going to con- include guys like Denard Spann or Corey Dickerson. So hard to make out a lineup right now. Hey, our own Tom Jones, remember him? The guy from this very podcast at one time, he was down there. The the Times uh, sports columnist was asking questions uh, about possible moves and. I guess maybe that question had already been answered by Mark Topkin today.
4: Eric, I don't know how much you can say. Uh, uh, there are a lot of rumors about other trades, maybe possibly coming. Um, how actively are you involved in trade talks, and or, and how might this roster look different opening day?
3: Can I point you to Topkin's article? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, look, we, there's, you know, this is the reality. You know, there's a lot that's that's unsettled uh, just across all of baseball right now with the players that are out there and. Uh, you know, it's it's probably the top you know item on our job description, are to you know do the best we can with with what's available, and, and to be make sure that we're considering all possibilities as we go forward. So uh, that you know that that could mean uh, guys move out of our camp. It could mean just the guys come in. It's uh, at this point, you know, it's it's about being active, being in tune with the market and what's going on, and uh, just trying to make sure that we're as prepared as possible. Do what we think is best for the organization. <laughs>
1: That makes no sense at all. That's basically, we'll see. Um, of course, there's going to be moves. We got $75 million in payroll. We don't want to pay that. We're going to have to move some people. It's just, you know, we got to wait for the market to begin to move, and then we'll be a part of that, and we'll see how many prospects we can get back and whether it's worth, you know, dealing at Chris Archer or some guys that we might want to hang on to. But there's no question that this team is, is going to be active. And, and, look, they've got – Jake Odorizzi is going to be coveted by somebody. Alex Colomé. There's a lot of teams that are going to contend this year that need a closer. It's just a matter of waiting for things to start moving. But um, I thought it was a nice dodge, a little bit by uh, you know by Neander, who's, who's obviously you know signaling that that this is not you know this is not the way the team's going to look in April.
2: That's called saying a lot without saying anything
1: at all. That's right, and he did it very well. I apologize. Appala- I uh, um, sort of applaud him for that so what would you call this then is this is this what you would call a rebuild is this i mean is the r word appropriate here
3: i think the the successes that this organization has had over the last 10 years has been uh by way of young players stepping up and um you know taking on greater roles and uh and, and carrying us forward and uh, i think 2018 is no different than any any year prior so uh we've You know, been very dedicated to building up our system over the last, you know, three, four, five years. And really throughout, it's something we know we need to do. But uh, I've really made some positive strides the last handful of years here. And I think that that's something that can carry us forward. So, you know, how to, you know, label the year, I'm not so sure, you know, what what would be most appropriate. But, um, you know, like I said, we've said it, uh, you know, over and over. I think throughout the winter, the young group we have, the young talent we have, and some of the established guys we have, the talent is there whether it can mature fast enough for this to be a you know really successful year remains to be seen but we we really excited about the talent.
1: <laughs> in other words, yeah, it's probably not going to happen this year but in the future. So if it's not a rebuild, uh Steve, I would call it well you don't want to call it tanking because that's not that's not a good word in baseball. But I think I think a lot of teams have looked at the model that the Houston Astros had and that the Cleveland Indians had and everybody it being a copycat league. If you're not in a big market, if you're not the New York Yankees or, or the Boston Red Sox or the Chicago Cubs or one of those teams, San Francisco Giants seem to be going for it, uh, big market, big money team, then you're everybody else, and that's that's who the Rays are. They're going to try to – they have replenished some of their minor leagues with some prospects. This was a team that didn't draft very well outside of pitching. Um, there have been no position players sort of move through the ranks into the major leagues. You have your Kevin Kuremeyers, but you know he was what a 30-something round pick. Um, so the elite guys just really haven't haven't been there. Um, but so it's going to be kind of a different year, and you don't you don't have the veterans. You have a lot of young guys. So with that, I think they're going to have to go back to what their DNA was when the Rays were successful coming up as a young core, which was pitching in defense. So with younger players. If you talk to
4: Kevin Cash, that means you're gonna to have to emphasize some other things. We have an opportunity here with some young players that are gonna come up, and we can really stress fundamentals. Uh, we're gonna win games this year uh, by catching the ball, and I think we're gonna put. An, I know we're gonna put a, an emphasis on that in practice. Uh, and Tom, you just brought up Longo. There was nobody better than him in watching him practice. When Longo missed a ground ball. Everybody on the diamond knew he missed it because he was furious with himself. That intensity, the way he practiced, uh, we need that to trickle throughout the entire camp. And generally with young guys, I think uh, our coaching staff that we've built, we're going to be able to provide that message that the importance of of making a play behind our pitchers. We feel that uh, we're, we're fortunate to have the amount of pitchers that we have in camp, the real, some really good ones. And we want to do everything we, we can to set them up well. So there's not really any drastic differences from how we're going to go about camp, but there could be some different messages uh, because so many guys are not as established.
1: Right. And that makes sense. I mean, I think the one thing that they sacrificed over the last couple of years in trying to, you know, change their philosophy and, and, and win with a long ball, which they they were able to hit more home runs than they ever have. They sacrificed defense and that, that cost them some games. I mean, you know, the
0: run,
1: run prevention not accumulation was was certainly not there and i think they have a chance to get back to sort of what what wins for them uh in in Tampa Bay. Now, he mentioned that Longoria is gone, which is, you know, going to be something that no one's going to use to. How would you like to fill his shoes? Well, Matt Duffy if you remember came over from the Giants and he's been a guy that's been hurt. Well, now he's healthy again.
4: Best day so far of the offseason was yesterday when i walked in, he was smiling ear to ear. He took about 50 ground balls uh, at third base. He took around a round of batting practice. He feels great now. Now it's on us, uh, myself, uh, our training staff, Joe Binge, to manage that, temper that a little bit. It's a guy that he's a baseball player. We said that multiple times last year. He's really wanting to get out there and play. Uh, very smart. We we want to make sure that we do everything we can to keep him healthy. Um, you know, Joe and I have talked about different plans of getting him a lot of reps, consistent reps, but maybe not the long inning reps or long game reps, but getting him out on his feet. But right now, he comes in with no limitations, and uh, you can see he's just really upbeat.
1: Now that's a guy that if he stays healthy, he was a very good ball player. He's a guy that, that hit line drives all over the place, has a little bit of power, really good third baseman, can play some shortstop if you need him to. So. Uh, again, if you, if, if you have somebody that's going to have to fill those shoes, it's not going to be easy, but you're doing it with a veteran player who's already been established and has just been hurt for a couple of years. So if they can keep him around, that'll be great. I think the biggest change that, that the Rays are going to see, and the Rays have always been sort of on the cutting edge of the analytics, right? They began just the massive shifts in baseball, the defensive placement that you see now that's been picked up by everybody, and it's sort of by, by every team emulating that. Uh, whether it's the Yankees, even the big market teams, that sort of that sort of took away what what their edge was for a while. Well, now the Rays and I think you're going to see this from the Cardinals and some other franchises are are sort of on, on this philosophy that, uh, and it's one of the reasons why Jim Hickey isn't here is because he didn't all he wasn't a, a big buy into this. But I think you're going to see their starting pitchers uh, be guys that maybe pitch four innings, maybe go through the lineup twice, maybe not face that 19th batter uh, that, that uh, usually means that the batting averages go up and the third time around the order, you're sort of locking in on a guy, more matchups in the bullpen. So what is the pitching philosophy, Kevin Cash?
4: We're still discussing a lot. I mean, I, I think the way we, when, when we made some acquisitions there at the deadline uh, and, and we saw the benefits of, of what those stacking those bullpen arms could come in and do, And I think going into this spring, we want to find a way to utilize that, get close to that. Um, But it takes a little while to find out who you got and how guys can bounce back. We were so fortunate uh, in August and September that, you know, the guys that we were leaning on, they were able to take the ball every day or, uh, you know, every other day if not every day. Uh, That helps a lot. So we still got a lot to kind of talk through on that.
1: It's interesting because in as much as this is sort of, sort of squeezed out, you know, through the cracks. And, and again, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why Jim Hickey's not here not really buying into it, I think you're going to see more and more of this throughout baseball, and the Rays are going to be on on, on the front edge of it again. This is this is who they are. This is what they're about with the analytics and, and that sort of thing. Um, but one guy that's going to buy into that uh, is their new pitching coach, and that's one of the reasons he's here. And when you think about all the young pitchers that the Rays are going to be having, come up uh, through the majors this year and, you know, uh, some of the young guys you saw uh, last year with Austin Pruitt and, um, you know, just, just, just a ton of young arms that they have. Uh, Kyle Snyder, who was, has been in Durham for a number of years knows these pitchers uh, knows how they've developed uh, can, can can relate to them because he's watched them uh, come up through the system and I had a good chance to sit down with him during Rays Fan Fest to talk to Kyle Snyder uh, about his position and about just what he expects from some of these young guys. You're no stranger to the Rays, but uh, you you will be their pitching coach now in the big leagues. And so that's something new, replacing a guy like uh, Jim Hickey, I'm sure you hear, hear nothing about every day, right? Sure. Yeah, um, yes. But but really, you've, you've, you've managed or, or coached, pitch, been a pitching coach for Durham and, and a lot of these young pitchers you've had, right? So how much of an advantage is that? Since you've watched these guys develop, you've been a part of the development, and now you get to take them into the major leagues.
5: I, mean, I would definitely say it's an advantage. I mean, I, I've been in the organization for six years, right. probably into my seventh season. Sure. Um, I mean, I've, I've known a fair number of these guys since they were 17 and 18 years of age, and uh, it's all about building the relationship, right? And, and a lot of that's continuing that relationship for a lot of the guys that I do know. But I'm looking forward to getting to know the guys, uh, some of the newer acquisitions, guys that I'm not quite as familiar with, like um, Chris Archer and mm-hmm. Jake and Nathan Abaldi. These guys I've talked to quite a bit uh, over the last... Uh, over the last four or five months um, and just starting that process as well, understanding that, um, you, know, time, you know, trust takes time to develop. And, sure. And then just getting to know them, kind of what makes them tick, you know, where they're from and, you know, what's their why and everything else. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm certainly excited. For.
1: Tell me, uh, I, I, we have heard, and I, and I don't know how developed this idea is yet, but that, that the Rays have, have sort of a – they've always been on – you've been with the Rays a number of years. They've always been on the cutting edge of the analytics part of the game. Uh, of how to how to uh, shift players, use players, how much to use players, and I've heard about uh, in terms of pitching, uh, maybe changing a little bit in terms of, of how long you stretch guys or how many times they go through the order. Can, do you have any uh, idea what uh, sort of how how that might look with starters this year or how you will use your entire your entire staff?
5: Well, I know it's a lot of what we've discussed, um, and I mean uh, in the last few years, yeah. you know, just uh, in terms of starting pitchers facing the 19th hitter, right. you know, and. Um, I mean, every organization has 1,400 to 50 to 1,500 innings to cover, and, and I think we're all trying to figure out how to best utilize those 1,500 innings. Uh, I, I don't think that I could necessarily speak to exactly what it is that we plan to roll out just yet, but, right. you know, it is something that we're going to take into account um, and, and just try to use the staff, uh, you know, not just most efficiently, but most effectively as most effectively as we can. So,
1: one of the young guys that you're familiar with came up last year, um, struggled a little bit, came, went down to Durham, you worked with him, uh, and that's Blake Snell. Uh, and I think when he, when he made it back up, he seemed to be uh, more in command, uh, fastball command seemed to work faster. I mean, just what were the, some of the adjustments? I, I think the hardest thing to do, obviously, is, is to be consistent in the major leagues, but he has all the tools, right? I mean, it's just putting it together. What, what, what did he work on that made him successful the second half?
3: Well,
5: yeah, I mean, Blake's one of the handful of guys that I've spent a lot of time with throughout the course of their careers. Yeah, uh, I, you know, Blake came down. I think he made seven starts in Durham. Uh, you know, I, there were a number of different things that I felt like we were prioritizing. We were taking care of one thing and moving to the next. Yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I just it's a, it's a tribute to Blake and just the work that he put in. I mean, it wasn't anything, any one thing in particular, you know, mm-hmm. that we were addressing, but you know, um, you know, did some stuff with his lower half and really tried to. Uh, to, to get back into that narrow hallway, you know, in terms of working down the slope and, and, and giving his stuff an opportunity to play in the zone as long as possible, and, and, and really prioritize strike the ball once he got control of the count. And, and I, th- I think, uh, I think once he got back here, he felt a little more comfortable with kind of his delivery and, and, and being able to organize everything and being a little bit more consistent. And you know, from, from that point, it just, you know, I think the confidence just started to grow. And um, you know, Blake's got as much talent as anybody that's going to begin a game in baseball, yeah. you know, and, and, and these timelines vary for some of these guys, and um, you can't expect guys just to get to the big leagues and just hit the ground running all the time, you know, yeah. and sometimes that um, you gotta, it require some patience, and you know, I mean, Blake's but uh, Blake's going to be a, special, a very special starting pitcher, and there's no question about that.
1: Yeah, he certainly showed that. Um, in terms of uh, how, how do you like guys to work on the mound? Are you somebody, uh, you know, I know that, that baseball's trying to speed up the game. A lot of that is hitters stepping out. I know you want them to dictate the pace out there on the mound. Is it, is it, you know, is it up to the individual pitcher, just whether they get the ball, throw the ball, you know, kind of thing? Or, or just what, how much is tempo a big part of, of what they do? Is that just pitcher to pitcher?
5: I mean, it's somewhat pitcher to pitcher. I would definitely prefer, probably, just I mean, dictating the pace and, and, and working more quickly. I mean, to the, 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 the benefit the you know, I mean, the, the, the defense the cats, behind you, sure. you know, and just kind of keeping them engaged in what's going on. But I mean, at the core of what we do is to disrupt timing. I mean, sure. you know, how quickly you work and being able to hold the ball with guys on base. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that kind of factor into our ability to. Kind of disrupt whatever the routines of the you know the opposing offense and opposing base runners are you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think overall, um, if I had a, a one specific philosophy with regarding you know uh, you know how the pitchers pace themselves, I would prefer that they would work
1: more sure. quickly. One of the young guys that you know is, is Brent Honeywell has a, another a ton of talent. I mean, we hear about all these you know great arms that the Rays have been really fortunate to, to draft and develop. You've been a big part of that. Uh, what would we see from Brent? What are his chances of of, uh, of being here sometime this year? You think?
5: I would expect. Uh, sorry, Brent's going to impact this major league staff at some point in time yeah. in 2018. Uh, okay. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. He had a tremendous year in Durham last year. Um, you know, he's you know he's still growing, still stretching, still figuring out who he is as a pitcher as well. Just like just like the the,
4: the majority <laughs> yeah, of them are, right? right I mean, right. I mean they,
5: you know, they always have things to improve on. Um, you know, I think they're all in. in you know, to some degree still cutting their teeth, and that, that's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you know, nobody wants to think that they're all the way home, and, and, and Brent's definitely that guy. He's, he recognizes that he's got, he's got things to improve on. He wants to be as good as he possibly can be, and, um, you know, he's this competitive, you know, nature an individual I've been around, you know, in the last, you know, six years as a coach in this organization. Wow. Um, and it's, uh, uh, he's going to be an exciting guy for this fan base to watch for years to come.
1: The top, as we see here today, uh, at the top of the staff, of course, is a guy in Chris Archer who is an all-star and uh, been a big performer for them. Um, What's the next level for Chris? What's it like having a guy that works like that anchoring your staff first and foremost for some of the younger pitchers that are coming up behind him?
5: Well, I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the swing and miss and the end zone swing and miss and, and, and the quality of the slider is, uh, you know, it's something that just about anybody that's been a Ray fan or, or been part of this organization for the last five years has really been uh, been intrigued by, been excited by, um, you know, and I, I, think, I think for Chris, the next step is just a little bit more consistency and just understanding who he is, what he's capable of, how talented he is, and, and being able to lead the staff going forward. I, you know, he's... He's a guy that you know everybody on this pitching staff looks up to. Just you know, just given the talent and and certainly the track record at this point, and you know, I think it's just a matter of just you know continuing to you know continuing to grow within you know within himself and understanding you know, hey, there's some things that we can you know we can prioritize. You know, some end zone strike percentage. You know, maybe being able to you know out efficiency something that you know we we've talked a lot about as well. You know, given the you know the size of the stuff and the number of strikeouts. You know, giving him an opportunity to. Uh, to be able to pitch a little bit deeper into right, games, right. you know, and as well, and I, I think um, I think those are some of the things that he and I have talked, you know, a, a fair amount about over the course of this offseason and, and going into spring training as he, well. He's
1: but, he's a guy that has, I mean, obviously a, a plus plus fastball and a wipeout slider. Is there a third pitch that that, that he might uh, develop or get into the repertoire so people can't? set on one way or the other
5: sure yeah i mean you, you talk about the two dimensions there just with the fastball and, and, and the slider the changeup is definitely a, a quality pitch and, and again something else that you know he and i have talked a little sure. bit about and um other than that it's just more about approach but you know I, I think we'll probably you know we'll talk about getting the changeup a little bit more involved and you know i, I think it's a pitch that he may undervalue a little bit as you know it, you know it, i guess to this point and you know we'll, we'll just see if we, you know we we can't affect uh Or influence of the predictability a little bit by adding in a third dimension, you know, just with you know just getting the changeup involved a little bit more as well. But you know, there's no doubt the changeups. It's it's a quality major league offering. Is it as good as the fastball and the slider? You know, probably not. But I mean, I I think the more that he throws it, the more he's going to give that pitch an opportunity to grow
1: as well. Talking to Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, and, and you've been in this organization. What is it? You know, there's been some changes on the, on the staff. They brought guys up through the organization now this year to the major league level, like yourself. What does that say about uh, about this organization and, and 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 allowing guys to progress on on the on the coaching side as well?
5: I think it's, I mean, I think it's fantastic. You know, I mean, Ozzy and I have spent the last two years together in Durham. Sure. Uh, Matt Quatrero had been in the organization, uh, you know, my first couple of years, actually the year that I went into a coordinator position was the year that he had actually left and gone to, uh, had, to had gone to Cleveland as their assistant right. hitting coach, coach at the major yeah. league level. Um, you know, Joe Benge, you know, uh, another guy that I've, I've worked really closely with over the last six years. Uh, you know, just to know that, you know, a lot of the things that you do, you put your head down and try to figure out is what, you, what you need to do and, and you know, uh, to to continue to grow within your role, you know, and within your department and, you know, to get an opportunity and, and, and you know, to have an opportunity to be to be promoted and get to the major league level, you know, uh, you know, within your specific discipline. I, I think it says a lot you know, about the organization, Um, you know, I mean, Eric, I, Matt, you know, and and the confidence that they have in us, you know, to to challenge us and and to give us these opportunities. So it's it's definitely something we're all excited about.
1: So the Rays, pitchers, and catchers will begin workouts today. And uh, for the latest on the Rays, you want to make sure you follow Mark Tompkin on com. Before we leave, a little note, the USF schedule is out. You know, college football attendance has been down, especially in the American Athletic Conference. I'm not sure – This schedule is going to help that with much, but uh, they do play Georgia Tech, uh, will be in Tampa on September 8th, and I guess the good news is that they have all Saturday home games except for uh, the national champions, UCF, the day after Thanksgiving, right?
2: Yes, yes, all Saturday, and actually there's only one Friday night game uh, on the road, too, so it's pretty much all Saturdays for USF, which this past year there was a lot of Thursdays and Fridays, and... Uh, you never knew what day of the week and when, when they were going to be on. So this, this year you're going to get all Saturdays. I hope they
1: do well. I, I mean, I can't imagine you know um, them having a much better season than the last two years in terms of wins and losses, but they certainly need some people in the seats and uh, it would be good to support those guys. Hey, we want your feedback, your questions. You can always reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud.com at tampa Bay.com or stroudbucks at aol.com and lots of places
2: they can subscribe to our podcast right steve you can get it on itunes google play stitcher soundcloud uh, tune in tampabay.com sports always has the latest uh, episode up there so anywhere you get audio podcast you can get it have a
1: great day everybody thanks for joining us i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times for steve versnick we'll talk to you tomorrow